Hi, welcome to another Cage Club Revisited. This is Amos and Andrew from, I don't know the year, 92? 93? I'm not sure. I, tried, I, have, I tried not to remember as much as possible. This is one of the very few Cage movies that neither, at least the early stuff. Yeah. Before we went to straight to VOD that Mike and I did not like. Both of us yeah. did not like, so. One of his very few missteps early on, at least. It's like know. racist and weird. Uh, it's bad. I mean, it's... 1993. Okay. So it's definitely of the times. <laughs> so we are watching the DVD. I think it's full screen. I think we only think it exists in full screen. Standard, modified to fit your screen. Mm. So we're missing out on some great, you know, racism on the borders. But we're going to get started in 3, 2, 1, mm. play movie. I think this is around... I mean, they've always been taking franchises off TV and making them into movies, but I feel like this was around the time they were doing Beverly Hillbillies and, and Brady Bunch, and they're like, what really old television show can we go back and Oh, right, and this make? was a TV show. Yeah, but like a really early one, and not... And I mean, not without its own problems, right? I mean... <laughs> anyway, this doesn't seem to relate at all except for the title. I oh, need to put scene. on subtitles. Yep. But I don't remember how to do that. It's crazy to hear this song and start off with a shot of the island there. It makes me think of Lost. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Just kind of conditioned. Maybe. I'm going to hit a button and it might stop it. That's okay. Yep. All right. Hold on. Languages. Subtitles. Oh, we can do... Oh, no. Uh, spoke, okay. So there's no English subtitles, so that's good to know. We can put on French or Spanish subtitles. Man, this oh. DVD and this movie are terrible. All right. Back in the movie. You know, it is... Samuel L. Jackson. We're going to deal with it. Now, red remember, there's, a, there's car. a red sports yep. car here, oh, yeah, which we kind of... It's kind of a bad omen, I guess, at some sometimes. I mean, you could take it for what you want, but I feel like it represents whatever you need it to. This is the song Beyond the Sea that... I remember, because I think it's in at least one other Cage movie. I don't remember which one, but it's also in my brain, because there is a... First season, I think, X Files episode called "Beyond the Sea." Mm-hmm. Oh, Scully's dad, right? Dad dies. Yeah, and uh, you know the song. Like they would listen to the song, so I was like, "Oh, hey, Balaban, Bob Balaban." All right, who also I learned is a director. Directed my boyfriend. Oh, right, back. that's right, because Brad Dourif is in "Beyond the Sea." Oh, he's in that episode. He's the guy who like cool. channels her father. That's why it was all so weird. This is kind of nice looking, you know. This movie's very deceptive here in the opening. It makes you think that it's going to be a relaxing comedy of some kind, and it's not, you know. I think I mentioned towards the end of the podcast. When well, we this doesn't even this. make it seem like a comedy. It makes it seem but, like Samuel Jackson's going out to find love or something on the ocean. But it's also a like really nicely shot. Like I feel like the second unit on this really picked up the slack. <laughs> and I don't yeah. know who who was behind the actual. Was director. that the first joke? Him sneezing on camera, I guess. I think it's setting up his allergies. I'm, I can't even. Oh, that's a bad joke there with the. Oh, so I'm looking to buy a house right now, and one of the houses that I looked at last weekend, the neighbor across the street had a blackface lawn jockey, just like that one, kind of worse yeah. than that one. I grew up across the street with someone that had one. Um, we'd always sort of chip Is away he at it. it. All right, yep. that's good. But like, it's 2017. <laughs> Like, get rid of your lawn jockey. Like, that's not... It's not, yes, it's not okay yes. anymore. Right. When 1993, I, yeah. it still wasn't okay, but... I'm talking about 1983, like, so I guess even then... Here's the man of the hour. Cage. Back in prison. Always in prison. Con Air. Does he have it's tattoos just... a lot? Not many, right? I think he has them... Um... Well, he's them in real life. Well, yeah, yeah. Of course, in real life. He's covered, as far as I know. Um, which is really cool. 
But I think in Drive Angry, he might have some satanic tattoos. I can't recall. I don't think we ever tracked that. But, like, this is... It's definitely notable that he has tattoos in this, because I don't think he has them in very many. And that was a really strange insert shot to set up Cage in prison. Like, why not just let's get Sam Jackson to his house and then cut the Cage in yeah. prison? Yeah, well, they're setting up a lot. They're setting up this racist white family who, like, thinks like the white Jackson. dog wearing all white. Yep. Oh, car phone. Is that husband in that racist family? He's somebody, right? Yeah, he's in tons of stuff. Tons of stuff. Here we go with Cage. One phone call. Wait, who's Bob Balaban playing this? Probably a neighbor. I don't know. Maybe a concerned citizen. A local, I'm guessing. Some sort of esteemed author, maybe. <laughs> So I actually found uh, my family used to have a car phone, but it wasn't per se a car phone. Like you had to, it came in a case with a battery. You would carry it around and plug okay. it into your car. So technically, it was a portable phone, but it was designed to. Was it plugged into the like, cigarette outlet? You know, yeah. Okay. And it also, I believe, needed to be charged, but it looked just like that phone. That's pretty high tech. <laughs> oh man, I was never really a big Dabney Coleman fan. I prefer Scott Aukerman's Dabney Cole person. <laughs> there was one movie where he thought he was dying, so he became like a really brazen police officer, and that was kind of funny. And Maybe that's a connected universe, because he's a police officer here, too. That's right. Like, Cage has been on screen in two different scenes. He hasn't said anything. <laughs> It'd be amazing if he played a mute. He's built above Samuel L. Jackson. That is the we worst go. foreplay tattoo. So he's using this one phone call to prank the cops. Yep. I, uh... For the people who are not watching the movie, who are just listening to this, he's got a four ball, like a billiards ball, a four ball, and then underneath it just says play. So... He's into foreplay. Comedy. Why even make that... I don't know. Whatever. Is this guy... No, this guy is not the same actor. This Is this guy the therapist from Office Space? The no, no, no. That guy's... Um, that's the, Isn't that the guy from Constantine that I just saw in the Devil's Candy? I think it's that guy. Or if, oh, I maybe. I think. I'm not positive. If not, it's the guy from... Who's um, this guy? Happy Gilmore, maybe? I don't know. No, like, I understand that, like, it's comedy that you're supposed to... You're trying to, like... Well, they're the nosy neighbors. They're so nosy. But does he need to be wearing that necklace? There's a black man. Ever since I saw Get Out, I just... No, it's a black man. <laughs> Mom and Dad, here's my, here's my boyfriend, my black boyfriend. He's a black man. But I wonder the, what kind of past these two had. They must have been assaulted or had some kind of breaking and entry where they were or, probably victims at one or point. Or they never dealt with any of it, and their <laughs> their minds are overactive. Like, that's the mm-hmm. other alternative. Like, you, well, that's you either the movie had an experience, or you had nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And the movie's playing it that way, for sure. Like, everyone who's ever lived here or ever been set foot on this island's been white. He's so upside down what? again. Wait, so the police... So this is such a small town that there's only two cops... And they, the only cops on duty just left Cage alone in the cell, which I guess is fine, but I feel like legally, 
you know, if he if something happens mm-hmm. to him, he could sue them for negligence or something. It just I love the setup they have for Cage is such a Rambo thing. Like he's totally just picked up for nothing, like vagrancy, just walking through town and thrown into this cell. But the difference is he doesn't have any flashbacks to set him off and trigger him into. This is Michael sort of Lerner, rampage. this heavy guy. Okay. Known for oh, he's the mayor in the Matthew Roderick Godzilla. Oh yes, yeah, Ebert. He plays Ebert. He was he's Barton Fink. He's yep. in Days of Future Past as a senator. He's from Elf. Yeah, he's Fulton. Big character actor. It's funny. He's like along the lines of feel of Balaban at times. Like you just he's this guy. If you're not aware of him, you're just like oh, I recognize him from everything. Well, that was what was cool because we're talking like Bob, Bob Balaban is in the news at least in the case of the podcast network world because this week we're recording the PSI Love Hoffman episode of My Boyfriend's Back, which is directed by Bob Balaban. And that whole movie is like all the character actors from every movie ever yeah. just sort of in one thing, and it's great. Right. In starring roles. Now this guy is a uh, he's a big Keanu Club guy. You know, we don't have very many recurring actors in Keanu Club, but he, he is uh, Who Colonel is Oates, I think, in Bogus Journey. Oh, and then right, he came right. back in Chain Reaction. He was one of the cops in Chain Reaction. pretty funny. I mean, even from just like a directorial standpoint, they were like, yeah, don't don't leave the headlights on or the cop lights. It's not cinematic at all with all that light flashing or anything. Let's just make it dull. Yeah, I've only seen this guy in five things. It's the four that I mentioned before. Hmm. The name is an Andrew. Which is weird. I feel like I just know him from things. He's a type, you know. I feel like there's a couple guys out there that look and act similar in very similar roles and stuff. Yep. Oh, man, but Ebert and Godzilla is like, the perfect typecasting for that guy. Like, he could he could play. I wonder what he's up to these days. Could he play Ebert, the fictional Ebert, in his life? Like that that movie's coming eventually, right? Ebert, the like the live action fictional. Oh, like I mean, um, like, like a, a biopic, maybe. <laughs> so we got Life itself. Yeah, which is great, but also at times very heavy. Who would play Ebert? Jack Black? Why am I on this Ebert kick? No, I don't know. Um, hmm. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman oh. would have been great if he was alive. Yeah. Well, there goes Brad Dorif, voice of Chucky the Murderous Doll. Um, the, well, he's the, the, he's the worst one of all, right, in here? Yeah. Um, his career is wild. Not what I would expect in... So, like, really, what have they established here? Nothing, right? He's re- he's running for re-election. Like, it's it's a weird comedy in that there's not jokes. Like, I just tried to watch The yeah. Ice Harvest last night, and I got, like, I bailed after half an hour, because I'm like, this isn't funny. Hmm. I've never seen that, but this plays, like, more of a situation comedy, right, where you have the premise, um, black guy moves into racist community, and then it's just played out. They don't try to make it funnier. They don't try to make it anything more, really. I mean, once Cage comes kind of strolling through this movie, picks up as much as it can, and I feel like he's the comic relief. His character, in a lot of ways, just being a real goofy guy. Oh, so this director only directed this movie. 
And then he got chased out of Hollywood. <laughs> well, he wrote... Did he write Foxcatcher? No way. Had you... There were two writers on Foxcatcher, and this guy was one of them. The same... The writer-director of this? Oh, here we go. Yeah. Brad Dorf with the blackface. Like, I feel like there are probably... If this movie came out today, which it wouldn't, there would be think pieces about how, like, this is beyond race, and, like, this is pointing mm-hmm. a finger at it. But, like, it doesn't no, feel that way. It doesn't you know? feel that way at all. If... But, I mean, wouldn't you do any way more of, like, a commando-style camouflage if all you had to work with was one color? I don't know. It's just... Whatever. Like, can they stress it enough? And he's supposed to be really famous, like that, like Forbes. He's on the cover of Forbes magazine, so I guess these are a bunch of illiterates. And these are people that would read Forbes, so... You would think. Well, not these clowns, but But, the actual, like, the the fat couple, or the, you know, Michael Lerner couple. But you would also feel like the cops would maybe check and... Or at least know that there's someone who just bought a house on the island. One would think. Mm-hmm. However, nope. Well, because nobody does any research in this. Yeah. Everybody's just like, oh, we got to act. Right. Which, right. again, is... It's a very reactive I mean, This is yet thing. another example. Maybe the first time that we've done it in... I'm trying to think of what other Cage Club commentaries we've done, but, like, a lot of the Cage movies are very they, they portray cops very negatively and this yeah. is a very early example because this is one of Cage's like 10 or 12 probably first films so it's a yeah. very early example of like buffoonery cops that when we get to Gone in 60 Seconds we just have like the competency mm-hmm. of Timothy Oliphant and Delroy Lindo right? Yep, yep, yep. Like yeah. them just being like average cops makes them the best cop <laughs> in any Cage Certainly movie. in any Cage movie, yeah. Almost in any movie. I this guess. is his 21st thing? Jesus. Oh, wow. This was Cage's 21st thing? Yeah. That is up there. We recorded Best of Times that had no cops. We did Valley Girl that had no cops. We did Wild at Heart. Well, definitely Con Air, the cops in that. The cops in Wild at Heart, they come in at the end, right? Yeah, but they're fine. I mean, they're, they're not enough. Death of Superman lives, no cops. The Weatherman, no cops. Seeking Justice? Whoa, 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 whoa. Seeking justice. Wait, the hungry rabbit jumps. Tons of cops, right? But they were all in on it. Yeah, it's hard to. And then trespass. We did. Trespass doesn't have cops. Trespass has like the neighborhood watch security guard who gets killed. Who's in on it? He's not even a real security guard guy, right? So this is really a first example of buffoonery cops in the case club revisited storyline. This is playing. Even worse, the second time through, you know? I'm just... It's so overt. I well, don't... I think because we know it doesn't get better. Like, the first yeah. time we were like... It's got, like... Because we're like, okay, Cage isn't here yet. Yep. He's going to come in and save the day. All we know about him is he's in jail, but he's like a prankster. And here, it's just like, oh, okay. It does just feel like he's going to wander through some movie that's already happening. I honestly don't even remember... I know that he comes here and he gets in the house, but I don't even remember how he gets involved. Like, it's such a... I feel like, based on that alone, it must be, like, a stretch. Yeah. I can't... I can't either. He's just looking for a place to hide out and ends up holding them up, kidnapping them, or, like... Oh, we do have the really cool, like, repelling and... Oh, my God. Why would you do that? This is, like, the one... That's comedy. Yeah, and they run it right into the ground as hard as possible. Shoot the car, because that works. 
It did, apparently. Yeah, I mean, this movie is much more sort of prescient today, I suppose. Back then, it's weird that they're making light of this. I mean, it was still happening, but it just wasn't as widespread reported because it just wasn't like 24-hour news cycles and stuff like that. But you're right, nowadays, I don't... They would not make this movie. It would have a completely different vibe. Like, I wonder what the script was like to get two big stars... You know, I don't know if it was even the script. It was probably a combination of a lot of money, and this is like an extremely easy movie to be in, like to shoot it. It feels like he look at him like he's wearing one costume in one location for ninety percent of this thing. Yeah, it's all shot at night. Like you know, really, like you're gonna kind of walk through this, especially if you're Sam Jackson. Like you're just gonna, you know, the, even when he's doing nothing, he's a really good actor. So, what was he in before this? Uh, that's hard to say because he's in so much. He's probably in, he's probably the most working actor in film. We were going to do him, but he has like a hundred. He has one hundred fifty nine films. It might even be more than that now. The uh, letterbox is one fifty nine. Let's see here. Sort by earliest. What have I seen him in before? Before we get to Amos and Andrew, what had I seen him in? Because oh, this is the same year as Jurassic Park, but I think this came out a little bit before. He was in. Coming to America, Do the Right oh, Thing, mm-hmm. The Exorcist Three, Goodfellas. Okay. okay, so he was in stuff, but he was not a he was not a feature player. This was probably one of his big feature. How roles. big is he in Patriot Games? Um, I never saw. Patriot I thought that was a Jack Ryan movie. It's not a Jack Ryan movie. Wait, oh yeah, I did. He's very present present in that. Yeah, he is. I'm sorry, I got that confused. Because that's like a year the... before this. So this is one of his first big roles. Yeah. And that I think he was taking over the he was playing the young James Earl Jones and I can't remember exactly but I think he was or the character What's James weird is Jones. that like mm. I understand that, like he's he's now almost 70. He'll be 70 next year. He's like 68 and a half right now. Really? Yeah. Whoa. He and he was just in like running around Skull Island. He did not look He kind of looks that older bad. in this than he does in and now. Just because he's got like the sort of the old like he looks like an old man here. Like he like yeah. he's got the old man haircut, Whoa. he's got the big glasses. Yeah. Some of that style could be just he's what, a writer or a banker or something. Right. So maybe they just wanted to make him look older and businessy and on his day off he wouldn't really who is he in True Romance? Oh, he's in the big. Be- oh, yeah, he's Drexel. Sh- he's one of Drexel's guys. Well, he gets shot by Drexel. Yeah, yeah. Drexel in the early bond in the beginning. So I'm depending you, on which cut the shotgun is. Depending on which cut, though, that scene plays very differently. Wait, there's more than one cut of True Romance. Yeah, yeah. There's like the theatrical and then the director's cut, which I can't remember which is which. One of them changes the end, so it makes it that. Alabama doesn't shoot the cop that Clarence shoots a cop at the end and then it wow. it takes out some of the violence in some areas and then in the beginning that Drexel scene with Sam Jackson a lot of the dialogue is altered and all of like that there's little things here Weird. and there with the gore as well I think during the Gandolfini fight because I remember seeing it as a when it came out um, like we rented it going like this is different <laughs> this is different than what we we know that's weird. That's really weird. I didn't know that. Yeah. 
Okay, so here he's getting the record straight. And look at Dabney's car phone. Yeah, it's got a big old, big old cell. That's like an early X Files cell phone brick, like a yeah. gigantic. He's a real nightcrawler, this guy. <laughs> this um, this reporter guy feels very miscast. Feels like he auditioned for that neighbor, the white neighbor. And they just decided to stick him in this role because they have to start, start filming. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, we've got a very racist situation going on down here, so we need to... Uh... Where's Cage? Oh, that's what it is. They need to, like... They're trying to deflect the blame from the police, so they have to frame Cage. That's how it goes down? I think. Whoa. Feels like the first time I'm seeing this. We did this a while ago. We did this in, like, yeah. September, October of 2015, yeah. which I guess isn't that long ago, but I've no, just seen but... so much. And we thought we've done so much Cage since then that, like, plus, you know, because we don't like it. Mm-hmm. What did, What came before and after this? Because I bet we just... Directly before and after it? Yeah, because I bet we just put it right out of our mind, tried to forget it as soon as possible, and moved on it to the next It was framed by SNL and Red Rock West. Oh, okay, so Red Rock West came next, and there's no way after that movie I was and thinking then of this. Oh, man. Yeah. So we moved on very fast from this movie. Yep. And this is one of... This is probably going to be one of the harder rewatches, I feel. Well, we're getting out of the way early. Yeah. That's a great, um, and by great, I'm being sarcastic. The way that they did the, the video camera effect that it's oh, just, that's just they, a gray screen with a white box. Yeah, black and white. That little bogus frame. A bo- a real bogus journey. <laughs> so Dabney's character must need those glasses for some kind of eye prescription or else like no idiot wearing sunglasses at night yeah no idiot would wear those at night right well that guy who sung that song would Mm, yeah I mean they're not exactly sunglasses they're just amber tints but they're kind of like the sunglasses that Michael Parks wears in Kill Bill which is cool like when he takes them off like the screen changes Mm. colors when he's investigating the massacre at the Two Pines Lodge or whatever. They've got like an aviator frame, but I guess in order to be an aviator, it needs to have that cool reflectiveness to it. Hmm. Speaking of Kill Bill, there was a shot in High School Musical 3 that's like just straight out ripped out of the Battle of the, the Blue Leaves. Oh, yeah? The House of the Blue Leaves. Well, that's a which is straight ripped out of another movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's all... Everything's a but, remix. But who would get that from High School Musical 3? Like, what kid watching that watched Kill Bill? Like, what parent said, hey... Well, so the, the thing with High School Musical 3 is that it was in theaters. There's Cage with his gold tooth. Yep. It was a theatrical release as opposed to the first two were Disney Channel original movies. Oh, uh, I see. So we figured that parents went with kids, and so yeah. they were sort of... Right, they had to... But they're like having like a sword fight, like a fake sword fight in a junkyard? Hmm. And they go behind like these colored walls? It's very strange. Sounds something like parents would love. <laughs> oh wait, so what? He got thrown in because she wasn't 18? That is creepy. I'm not behind KJ on this. Well, that's what they have to do because like you have to like the cops are racist and terrible at their job, 
but they have to make it seem like they're the lesser of two evils. Because they have right, to root for the right, cops right. for some reason. So I suppose it's better to open fire on a black guy. Like than, this whole premise is flawed. Than creep on a. And like, look how terribly the set is decorated. It's just like a big yeah, concrete room. It's not decorated. It's not decorated at all. And that is not a lamp that you would have at a. Uh, like the one hanging? That would not be whatever. It's a small town, but. Um, yeah, it's very boring just to look at. I wonder what Cage's other tattoo is. Do we ever see that? Is that a fox or something or a wolf? It's a face of some kind. He's also got a horseshoe, it looks like, on his right forearm. Hmm. So now Sam Jackson's a prisoner in his own house. No power, and no nothing. All he's got to defend himself is a frying pan. And the neighbors are home getting stoned. Now, why wouldn't... I mean... What would be the harm if Sam Jackson tried to just leave the house and walk, like walk to the police station, and they know who he is now? So, well, because he thinks that somebody's still outside shooting at him. Yeah. Oh man, I hate this. Cause, oh, there's the food that Cage ordered. There's his prank, and we find out that what it's another underage girl delivering it. Did this win any awards for, like, oh, at the Cage Club Awards for, like, worst? Probably. He looks like someone that would force himself to be friends with H.I. from Raising Arizona. Like, he seems like somebody in that circle of uh, John Goodman and his brother and that. This was nominated for worst film. It did not win. Uh, we might have to go back to... It was nominated for worst change role. It did not win. Are there any hanging chads we have to see? It was nominated for Best Song, did not win. Suburban Nightmare didn't win? Oh, yeah, I guess it Wicked Game. Wicked won. Game. This is so boring. Like, we're just watching Sam Jackson sneak around his own house in the dark. I guess the one positive, quote unquote positive, about this movie is that there's no female characters to be sexist against. Yeah, well, it's literally aren't all the, dudes. Aren't the neighbors freaks, though, in the bed? Like, don't, don't uh, they uncover... Well, yeah, but I mean, like, that's sort of, like, like, a collective, like, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? I guess so. Yeah, so it was nominated for three things that did not win any of them, because worst film went to Left Behind, which is fair. Worst role went to Bayman in Season of the Witch, which I think is probably fair, although yeah. this is, you know, not too far behind it. And I talked about Wicked Game. Man, these cops. It's kind of convoluted. So they didn't... They need. I feel like they needed an extra scene even still to say, okay, so here's what's really going on. We shot at this guy by accident. blackface against his will. And now yeah. we're making you take the fall for it. But they also can't say that to him because then, in theory, again, he could sort of like sue them for whatever. You know what I mean? So like, what did he tell them? What did they tell him? I missed it because we were talking and I don't remember from the first. It doesn't matter. I mean, I guess it does matter. Well, no, it doesn't. But I'm going to blame it. I'm going to blame it on the DVD for not having English subtitles. <laughs> it would have been great to read it in English and listen to it in French. Would it have? It would have been a little more entertaining Maybe. to hear who does Cage's French voiceover. This is a year before Pulp Fiction, so he's so close to Jules Winfield. Yeah, man, he hasn't really broke through yet. He's just what a working cast... actor. This is more of a Nick Cage, Dabney Coleman movie than a 
Sam Jackson movie. What if we cast Cage as Travolta in Pulp Fiction? Absolutely. I think that would work. Although Travolta then wouldn't be back at all. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I mean, what? since Pulp Fiction, is it worth having Travolta back? Battlefield on? Earth. Okay, I stand corrected. There was one movie that probably would have gotten made anyway, but... Um, I wonder, what else has Travolta been in? He's been in time. I mean, Hairspray, Zack Attack, you'll get there, right? Yeah, in June. Um, it, he's done tons. That's the thing. Like, the, the market got flooded. He did Michael. He did White Man's Burden. He did, like, all these movies right when he got back. And it was, like, the one where he became psychic. And what was that? Turns out he had a brain aneurysm. Spoiler for a bad movie. Um, with Robert Duvall is in it. But I feel like he just worked overtime, overloaded everything. Maybe we would have been better with Travolta. Uh, I think not. Oh, they're meeting. Ooh, that was a bad joke. I think that they told Cage that there was a burglar in the house, maybe? I don't know. There's no realistic explanation that they can give him. <laughs> Let me look up. I'm going to look up what the actual plot is and see if Wikipedia tells us. See if whoever wrote the Wikipedia plot was able to unravel this. I think... I don't... He didn't say brother, he said bro. The budget okay. was $17 million and made 9.7. I can't even get my thoughts straight from what I want to say next because every time there's a scene, I think of something else that, like, bothers me. <laughs> but I feel like Cage realizes, oh, like, right, there's right, something right. going on. I remember this now. Um, to avoid bad publicity, the chief offers a thief in his jail, Amos Odell, Nicholas Cage, a deal. The chief orders Amos to break into Andrew's home. Oh, that was great. He does that in Zandali, too. Yep. He does, like, the whole, like, hair the head, toss, whatever. The head bang, head banging thing. I guess it also comes from Wild at Heart a little bit, too. Uh, she orders Amos to break into Andrew's home, hold the writer hostage, and give himself up in exchange for free passage out of town. Right. Hmm. So he's in jail for underage girl stuff, whatever, but he's a thief. I don't understand also what's funny about Sam Jackson turning out to be, like, also racist. Like, it seems like he hates white people. I mean, he's got a right because they're shooting at him and everything, but when Cage is here trying to relate to the guy and, like, find some common ground, Sam Jackson's like, you're not my brother, you're not this, you're not that. Like, uh, I mean, look, granted, Cage is standing there in blackface and holding him at gunpoint, but it's just a little weird that his character would be on the defense so hard. It's not funny, so I don't know why they went in that direction. I mean, uh, like, yeah. if he just tried to outsmart him or something, that I... But it's his it, first night in town. He's been... Sh- he's had a dog come up at the bark at the window. Yeah. Be not wanted. He had cops shoot at I, his house and his car. He got, just had somebody else break in, or maybe right. you know, he thinks it's the same person or whatever. Yeah. Somebody break in now... I know, hostage, but like, yeah. I I know. I'm on his side. This would be a way cooler shot if we could see the full frame. Yeah, with the rest of the gun bar barrel. I wonder if Cage likes this movie. Probably not. I doubt it. I don't know that anyone involved would look back fondly upon this. 
it seems like it, you know, you go into something like this thinking it'll turn out better than it does, that it'll just be like this quick, funny family comedy thing, uh, that there are just so many of that are so disposable, especially in the 90s, but, nope. <laughs> go. It, uh... Some black dude. Just... <laughs> I love that news guy's big giant camcorder. I mean, they're not broadcasting live, right? They're just recording it to tape. Yeah, they're just there. recording it to tape. Live to tape. Like the the antics aren't crazy enough. Yeah, for this for the story that they want to tell. Yep. Like they really need like a yakety sack style cops, as opposed to just like incompetent buffoons. Yeah. Why is he sitting up there? <laughs> That's amazing. I don't know why he's on the fireplace. It's great though. Wonderful. Did it? he move Sam Jackson downstairs? Did he? I thought they were just in. They left the room. I don't. I think so. Well, because there's not gonna be a fireplace in this bedroom like that, right? There's gotta be like a little oh, downstairs living so. room. Oh man, I can't even keep track. It just—it's so dark in the house. Don't the lights work, or did they establish the lights are out? No, they turned on the light before. Just turn them on. Just from a filming standpoint, this movie is very dark where it doesn't need to be. Like it doesn't. You know, if you're gonna do a comedy and it's if you don't have it in the writing, at least try and do something visually, like shoot it wide, shoot it bright, shoot it, make them talk real fast so it sounds funny. None of that stuff. This thing just drags. It's dragging. Well, we've only got another hour of this movie. Oh, boy. Wait, who does Suburban Nightmares for Mix-A-Lot? I think, yeah, Sir Mix-A-Lot, So right? we, uh, we at least have that coming later. Mm-hmm. Which was a huge shock at the end, right? But it was, just, was that written for this movie? Oh, it had to be. It was amazing that whole song just plays throughout over the end credits. Yep, and then we play the whole song on our Cage Club episode, which you can listen to at cageclub.me. I wish these guys doing him his makeup were somebody. <laughs> they just had like a quick hot cameo. Like Fabio? I don't know. <laughs> Like a Paul Rubens or someone, like just someone you'd be like, hey, that guy doing his hair. So that's weird. They have the Spanish language news up there, right. and people don't seem to be freaking out about, you know, we've got like Spanish brown, people, brown people, brown people, yeah. But, like, yeah. it would be hilarious if a black news reporter was up there. Well, like there was. Reporting. I think there was. So then what is... The... I think everybody's on their best behavior. Well, because here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. They can work in town, but they can't, like, live in town. You know what I mean? Mm, God, man. It's amazing how far I am mentally removed from that thought process, you know? Just, like, generational. Like, the way we've grown up and just been taught to be people. Good people. <laughs> Like I can't. It's like I'm having trouble just even comprehending. Here come the buffoons. Yep. Now high on 
Wine and weed, right? Yeah. yeah. Marijuana cigarettes. What's he got around his neck? Like a clothes hanger? I don't know. I don't remember any of that. Yeah, you dummy. It seems like the next line that was cut was like, oh, they all look the same. <laughs> Great delivery. I want Al Cirillo driving that helicopter. Is he a or no? I think he's the helicopter guy. Oh, so he's using that... It's taped to the barrel of the gun as sort of like a, a hook. Oh, yeah, Giancarlo Esposito, a.k.a. Gus Fring. Oh, my gosh. He's going to be like the uh, Al Jackson, right? Um, or Jesse Jackson? or Sam, uh, Yeah, Sam he's, Jackson. Like a, yeah he's like Jesse, Jesse Jackson. Who's Al Jackson? I don't know. It's one of the Jackson six. I don't know. What is he doing? Is he getting his nails? He's stained? doing it. Yeah, he's like getting his, nail, his nails done, his hair done. He's grooming. But, yeah, right. He be, He's a very militant, outspoken member of the community, so he's going to come down and march across the entire island. Oh, right. By the time he gets here, the movie's over. Yes. And that, what, is that some kind of joke about how hard it is to get them to organize? I don't know. That I they show we'll up out. when it's over? Finally, Cage is back to, like, not having that on his face. I mean, this, this movie kind of unfolds in real time for the most part. Like, once hmm. Samuel Jackson gets to the house... It's not a bad call. Like, it does kind of feel that way. So in that sense, you know, for them to all assemble in 45 or 50 minutes is actually pretty impressive. You're right. I mean, it might be a little bit longer, but it all takes place over one night. It's not a bad call. And we don't know how far away they are, right? I mean, you assume they're in New York and he's upstate. I like Cage's gold tooth. The hair is weird. Hair's not bad. It's just strange. I don't think he ever really rocks this haircut again. He got that tape off that gun. Now... (laughs) I love when he just pumps up the volume. I was almost just going to ask, like, why they're all in on it, but, like, Samuel Jackson's still not in on it. No. It's got to look real to him so that they get away. That's how they're going to get away with it. I mean, wasn't Amos and Andy like a radio show where two white guys were the voice of two white guys and two black guys or something like that? Something like that, yeah. I don't remember. It's always been inherently racist. Yes, it has. And I believe when it was a radio show and then an early TV show, and I could be totally wrong, but it would seem like it was two white guys playing black guys. Whoa! Dropping the M-bomb there. Nice. Oh! Jeez. That's like, like if this, if, that's a line where like they're like people are going to stand up and cheer in the theater, but like there's nothing building up to it. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, yeah. Everything falls so flat. Because it's played serious. Now here's the real question. In this world, where Sam Jackson thinks Cage is the bad guy. Yeah. The cop just disarms Cage. Why doesn't Sam Jackson run out of the house? Great question. Or grab the gun or do something. Oh, I 
I guess that would end the movie. Mm, plus, he's assaulted an officer, so. No, but I mean, instead of doing that, yeah, because like he he like, you know, he's so indignant, I guess, on paying the cop back for a racial slur that he yeah. doesn't value his own freedom. Like he's now got a gun pointed to him again, and he doesn't know it's fake. Hmm. So funny! It's that that is the same voice as Chucky the murderous doll. That that he's like, guys, you there? Whereas in the other movies, he's like, I'm gonna murder children. <laughs> it's like not menacing at all in this. It's all just strange. Now, like, yeah, what's Cage's idea? Like, because Cage was promised safe passage out of town. Shouldn't he want to play longer? So you think that the cops are going to screw him over? Yeah, I think he realizes that the whole jig is up, and the only way to save any, and save himself is to save himself. Oh, right. Now they go to Michael Lerner's house. Mm-hmm. Is that the thing? They take off and they go on the run, and they go. Yeah, they switch houses, and they don't even know they've switched houses. That lady, she's been in tons of stuff too. Can we look her up real quick? She, yeah. It's bugging me. I feel like I just seen her recently, not in a new movie, but I was watching something older and she was in it. Her name is Margaret Collin. Oh, he's an ambulance chaser. She's only been in twenty-eight things. Okay. She's Independence Day. Oh, is that's she, it. She the president's wife? Yeah. She no. She is uh, Goldblum's wife. Oh, right. That's what I know her from. Okay. And she was written out of the sequel. If you must know, in between movies in the book, she gets hit by a drunk driver and dies. It is a book. Yeah, that came between the movies and the movie. I mean, by the time you're listening to this, it'll have been on. But the Independence Day ID four resurgence is on HBO tonight. So. Go to bed early. She's also an unfaithful, The Devil's Own, Three Men and a Baby, mm. Something Wild by Jonathan Demi. All right. So now Cage, his character back to doing what he does best, a little B and E. Is it like what? What does he? What does he do best? We don't know. Like, <laughs> well, so this clearly, things. like this to me is is because. He seems to be confident in know what he's doing. Like, sticking up Sam Jackson was not... I don't feel... I feel like that was out of his depths. This, he looks like he's a little more comfortable. I like it more because the lights are on. It's an actual, like, house. You can actually see the movie. There's still a lot of headspace. Like, it's all, like, zoomed out really far. Like, I don't know why... So, okay, so I think for the framing of this... Like when it, it was shot full, and then when they do it in the theater, they mat the top and bottom to make okay. it like a yeah. Like Kubrick used to do that a lot too, where he would use the f- whole frame and then have specifications for television and cinema and all different formats. All right. I mean, I guess his other I don't know exactly, but otherwise you would shoot it anamorphically through lenses or. 
other types of widescreen film. But it definitely comes across poorly in high def, right? Like, there's yeah. sort of a cheapness to watching it full frame. It feels like a VHS rip. We are missing important facts about how this dog is racist and hates Sam Jackson. <laughs> oh, there's Balaban. That's a cool cut, though. Mm-hmm. Like when you just shake the dog's hand, and then we cut the Balaban shaking Brad Dourif's hand. Yeah, it doesn't belong in this movie. <laughs> in this movie... So now, where are they? I guess they're in New York City. They're like rallying they're together and getting York City. onto a bus. Well, no, don't they have to get onto the ferry? Oh, well, I guess they're getting on a bus to get on the ferry. Yeah, they still rallied pretty quickly. Dude, Gus looks pretty damn good. He was in. Uh, did we mention that he was also in the uh, Cotton Club? Nope. With Richard Gear. Wow, the sound in this garage is horrible. You can hear like the reverb coming out. See, Cage said he never stole a car in his life. Okay, so he's no car Jackson thief. People like you. He's talking about criminals, but it's also like uh, it also kind of plays like one of that Baywatch things. Like, you know, what do you mean, you people? You mm. know what I mean? What's up with this dog? He took an instant liking to Cage. Well, I mean, who wouldn't like Cage? I feel like under different circumstances, he and Sam Jackson in this movie could get along. Who, Cage and Sam? Maybe. Mm, maybe. I don't know. That's a tough one. If there weren't meddlesome, meddlesome cops in the middle. I don't know. I feel like Cage is sort of playing... Like oh, this, right. They're kinky sex yeah, stuff. Yeah, they're really all that yep. drawer of dildos. I feel like Cage like wandered down from the hills and got too close to society and just like... I don't know that him and Sam... I think Sam Jackson, he wandered a little too far from the city. <laughs> that is, uh, I think the shared experience is what brings them together. This is a white people. That, that's the best shot of that the movie. That is, yeah, that's a white Cage, like, subtly shaking his head at but the bondage gear. That same joke was in Next Friday with Ice Cube, though, where he's going through his uncle's... But wasn't this before Next Friday? It was, yes, but I guess it's no longer just a white people thing. I don't know. I'm so confused. So this is the same year as My Boyfriend's Back. So Bob Balaban working huh. double duty. Nice. Okay. Directing that movie, acting in this. And his character in this feels more like the type of character everyone should be playing. Like he feels like a cartoonish character. Cage is almost there. He's almost like a cartoon character. Dabney Coleman gets kind of close with the visual look of it, but he doesn't Sam act Sam Jackson's just so big. boring the entire time. Yeah. This, this calls for big acting. It's putting me to sleep. It's just not good. I feel like that dog is a reference to something else, too. Isn't there some kind of... There's, like, a movie in the Criterion about, like, a racist dog or a guy raising racist dogs or something. Really? It's uh, some foreign film, I think. I'm, I could be totally wrong, but I just feel like that's some kind of white dog Time or something. Ask Google. Hmm. I'm just gonna Google racist dogs. Racist dog movies. Racist (laughs) dog. The racist dog meme whistle names or movie. There's one on Curb Your Enthusiasm apparently. Oh, white dog. White dog, right? Isn't that though? Is that about what I'm thinking? I mean, because that 
seems to be the reference. It's based on a novel. The film depicts the struggle of a dog trainer named Keys, who is black, trying to, stray, trying to retain a stray dog found by a young actress that is a, quote, white dog, a dog trained to make vicious attacks upon and to murder any black person. So the dog isn't go. inherently racist. It's trained to be yes, racist. But, I mean, if you see this shot of, you know, Sam Jackson sitting next to this white dog, I, I just and you know that movie, I feel like, it is Criterion, some, some and Ennio Morricone did the music in that movie. Okay, I've been meaning to watch it. It's been on my list, and then they left Hulu and did the Filmstruck. So it's I a gotta... cool cover. Yeah. It's a pit bull, I think, in that, right? I don't know. Anyway. So those are just, you know, those are the kinds of divergent streams you'll get on these commentaries. <laughs> Confirming half-remembrances. Look, I wait... What's up with this Sea Monkey story? I remember recording it for the podcast at one point, but I just wish Sam Jackson had a thing like he was a flamboyant dresser or he liked, you know, He's just a wacky rich music. Guy. Yeah. His, his thing is that he's allergic to things. But that isn't even played it's out. Not a thing. He's not allergic to this dog. No, but he he said he had, he doesn't like dogs or he's allergic to dogs or something. But like play with the allergies. I'll buy that if you but set like, it what's, up. Yeah, there's not, they're not setting anything up for it though. Like yeah. it's just like, hey, he's allergic to dogs. Like, okay. Then what? Like, how funny would it be if he has, like, uncontrollable sneezing fit or, or gets a like, starts scratching himself for the next 20 minutes? Well, that, that's rash. just, like, this is a completely different movie than, like, what they're... But what are they going for is my question. They, obviously, they feel like they've succeeded on some level for what they're trying to do because it maintains this same tone throughout the entire film, right? It's not like it gets... Not like it's uneven. It's very even, but it's bad even. There's Balaban. See, like I feel like Balaban is like, what's wrong with you guys? This is supposed to be a funny movie. Plus, my boyfriend's back is just like batshit crazy, insane. Like that movie is way I love it so much. Oh, it's 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 awesome, but it was like way different than I was expecting it to be. Um, much more insane and better than I was expecting. Now they still think that they're in Andrew's house. Yes. But they're next door. Yes. It's amazing Correct. with how many people outside, you know, onlookers and reporters and cops, that nobody saw the only two guys in the house sneak out of the house and go next door. Yeah, the only guy that even got close was just missed him by a hair. It was one of the cops, too. Uh, now he, he can't go to the window. Oh, there he goes. He just That's told them. That's a little him. bit of a Peggy Sue got yep. married voice. Yeah, or of... Um, Charlie Bodell. Or, or of, Speckles. Um, Speckles. Is Speckles the Or Yanchu. Army of One. That's right. Gary. Right? Is that him? Gary? Yep. The G. Little baby. They call me the G. You know, they wanted they want to make a movie about my life. You know, they want me to play <laughs> Nicolas Cage. And I was like, Nicolas Cage... Basically, I'm going to Pakistan, I'm going to get OBL, I'm going to bring him back to America and put him on trial for justice and stuff. You should have watched that movie instead of this <laughs> I watched that, like, three times, right, when it came out. Like, I watched it once for Cage Club, I watched it once with my dad, and then I watched it once on my own. <laughs> I just, I needed that so hard when it came out. And I've been watching a lot of uh, the Goldbergs. I almost done with season one. I went back and started, and, and the mom from Goldbergs is uh, his girlfriend. And, oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Is that Cheryl Hines or not Cheryl Hines? No, no. Uh, the girl, I, I can't pronounce her her long last name, but she's from Reno 911 as well. 
Oh, right. Uh, Carrie Kenny. Is it Carrie Kenny? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's <laughs> It's one thing about these comics. Oh, no, Wendy McClendon-Covey. Yeah, McClen- that's why McClendon-Covey, I can never get that down. It's one thing about these commentaries. We don't go back and edit ourselves down or anything, so... It's fine. I wonder if that gold tooth is in place of one of the teeth he took out before he got sort of his n- new next set of teeth. Maybe. If you're listening to this, just let us know. Oh, is that the whole statement? Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, let us know. Okay. Because <laughs> by the time we put out the first one, we'll have recorded probably about 20 or 25. So, like, mm-hmm. we're basically doing three or four a month. We started in January, I think. We're going to put this first one out in August on the two-year anniversary of kicking off Cage Club. How? What a joke if we put this one out first. Oh, boy. Oh, I finished watching The Sopranos, so I can't even spoil The Sopranos, because, like, every episode we recorded from the beginning until now, oh, I was, yeah. like, just bringing up, like, a major spoilers episode, or, you know, Sopranos mm-hmm. point that I would spoil, just because I was like, oh, that just reminds me of this. Well, you just have to bring up whatever you're watching now, so, I mean... I, I'm just watching The X-Files now. I would talk about Legion, but I feel like the shows I watch, most people don't, like, Expanse, like, I don't know anyone else watching that, even though it's amazing watch that. It'd also be funny to listen back on this and, and hear where we were at the time and what we were watching and listening to. Yeah, this more so than the uh, the podcast, because the podcast were like, we were much more focused. Here, it's just like, right. well, we got 96 minutes to, to distract ourselves from the boring weirdness that's on screen. He's tying his tie in a way that I've never tied. I guess that makes sense. There's so many different ways to tie ties. Like, I, I get... Like, why, guys? Why? Dudes. Like... <laughs> Guys, come on. <laughs> Just tie your tie. I've always wanted one of those bolo ties. Speaking of uh, the one that uh, Travolta wore in Pulp Fiction, you know? Yep. Like, yeah, I'm sure from in Austin you saw that, those a lot, but uh, I don't You'd be surprised. Him. Austin's not really Texas. Austin's, yeah, that's good. Austin's yeah. in Texas, but it's not Texas. Right, it's not like Houston or Dallas or anything. Houston's not even really... I mean, Houston's more Texas. Of, Dallas is Texas. See a lot of cowboy hats in Austin? Or no, not, Ironically. Not really of a thing. Oh, okay. That's not cool. Then. It's kind of like Big Brooklyn then, I guess. It's absolutely like Big Brooklyn. It's a liberal haven in a, you know, real, real red state. Yeah. Some would say close to a George Miller-esque apocalyptic futurist Mad Max state. <laughs> it's so... I just feel like it's so barren, but, well... This isn't the Texas podcast. Well, there is a lot of empty space. Like, West Texas is pretty much empty. There are a lot of big cities. It's I mean, like, dude, build a mall. What are you doing? So empty. Build an airport. No, I mean, there's, just, there's just nobody out there. Yeah. Send people there. Dude. What are you talking? See, like, Sam Jackson can drop the realness okay but the path of the righteous he's, he's delivering the same way to, like the path of the righteous man it's like he's delivering it the way he's been delivering everything like the, everything he says is super serious yep. and dire and important and it's like dude that makes that less important what you just said the most important thing your character has to offer makes it less important you think yeah because he's been acting that way the whole movie Oh, it's not landing okay. with any gravity, you know. Yeah, well, like he if he was has, well, he only has like two deliveries. He's got like that delivery. He's got that delivery loud. Like that's well, I wish he was loud then more. More of this movie, and then this was his soft moment. 
I, I like Screaming Sam Jackson, and it would have been great to have a movie of him and Cage doing like a screaming match. Well, if that movie happened today, you know, that absolutely would be, because it would be like a parrot, you know what I mean? But like yeah. here, it's too mm. early in both of their careers, relatively speaking, to like... Yeah, at least for Sam Jackson, it's not until his path of the righteous man's speech or Phil then he becomes sort of like the loud, loud deliverer of lines. But I feel like Cage's got a few off in this one, and he's kind of known to be like a screamer a little. Of course. Oh boy, Ted Williams baseball. <laughs> At least they didn't like shoot the dog. Like that's not funny until Cage laughs, really. Yeah, because it's set up because the dog was barking, they were barking, you know, yep. the way they're talking, and so like, yeah, he's gonna tell them to sit. Yeah, they're gonna sit and act obedient. There's nothing like it's so telegraphed. <laughs> like you could twist this. Like, this is closer... Like, it would be easier to twist this movie into, like, a a decent heist movie than it would be to turn this into a comedy. Yeah. It feels more like that. It feels more like there's something hidden in the house that Sam Jackson bought, and he doesn't know about it, and Cage is trying to, like, find... Like, that would have been a good movie. And then the police surround the house. You know, not because of Sam Jackson's a black guy, but because he's, like, for real been broken into and held hostage. And then they both discover the uh, treasure together and live happily ever after. <laughs> I don't know how you end it, but... No, I think he has to die at the end of the movie. Well, yeah, probably protecting the secret of the treasure. And then you see at the end, Sam Jackson, like, opens up... Uh, and also the treasure's on the back of the like, Declaration of Independence. Mm. Sam Jackson sort of donates a wing of a hospital to the Nick Cage character in the final shot. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Like, we live now in reboot and remake culture. Like, in Mm -hmm. theaters this weekend, new movies, there are Chips and Power Rangers the same weekend. Beauty and the Beast last week. Beauty and the Beast last week. But, like... Yeah, this even feels like like all right. We got this. We got this Amos and Andy, uh, you know, franchise. We got this IP. Let's make a movie. Like why? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's hard to get into those heads. But I mean, not too long after this, they remade the Honeymooners, but they um, instead of white actors, they used black actors. Hmm. So I wonder if that was somewhere on the table, too, where it's like, let's do Amos and Andrew, but instead of like white guys playing the black guys, let's actually have like real black guys doing it. And then somewhere along the line, just it, the IP is all that matters, right? The title is basically all that matters, so you could take that and then put it on to right, any Right, because I, like, I read like a thing, or I, not, I didn't read a thing. I'm not trying, I don't know why I'm trying to make myself seem literate. Uh, Zach <laughs> Shepard was on Mark Maron's podcast to do like a quick little thing about chips, and he said he basically just wanted to make like a motorcycle movie. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, well, we've got chips. He's like, all right. And he said like without without that, like his movie never would have gotten made, but like they just needed like a, like a thing that yeah. people would be like, oh, I'm going to see the chips movie. But like he, he didn't, come up with the idea 
to be a Chips movie, they're just like, oh, we can just assign that to this. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. A while ago, there was that Jimmy Fallon movie with Queen Latifah called Taxi, and I remember everyone thinking that it was based based on the show with, right. uh, you know, the famous show. And it comes out, and it's not, you know? So, like, there's another example, like Amos and Andrew, where it's like, we'll just take this title everyone's really familiar with, but we'll, like, we'll pull the wool over their eyes. We'll sort of, it'll be like a sneak attack, and it's just a marketing thing, and they get to the theater, and it's like, what the hell is this? Now, here's, like, an interesting creative decision, is to take, basically, your third main character, some of even your second main character, and then bound him and gag him and take him out of the movie for, like, the middle <laughs> half hour. Yeah. Like, you basically said, you were even saying before, like, it's not a Sam Jackson Cage right. thing, it's like a Cage and Coleman thing. That's some... And Dabney Coleman's been off screen for half an hour. But in that time, we have been with Cage, so at least... Yeah, but yeah, I, I guess I... it's one or the other, but, like, you set up this dynamic, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's a whole other problem. I mean, this movie is just floating around... <laughs> Shifting dynamics, doing whatever it wants. I almost wish that they, like, these neighbors, like, they set up other neighbors. Like, there were those neighbors, but there were more than, like, it's just weird that there's only two neighbors. Is there no one on the island well, I think it's this a, season? I mean, everybody's the rich, thing. Thing. so because you're rich, oh, it might be, but I feel like because everybody's rich, like, you have, like, really big plots of land, you normally yeah, have, like, close neighbors. Far apart. That could be. Also, be. it might be off-season. I don't know. Because I feel like if we had met more of the town folk, more of the neighbors, and we saw, like, everybody's got this same mentality, everybody, you know, everybody in the town is racist or whatever, or not. And I, don't, I just feel like we need more than the reporters. I think we need more characters. Yes, as much as I Which don't... is a weird thing to say, because, like, you Isn't never it? think that a, ca- a movie needs more characters. Yeah. Not necessarily, like, critically involved. Like, like I think no. like, there's the same number of, like, core characters, but more people like Bob Balaban who are just yeah. doing whatever he's doing. It just needs to feel populated. It just doesn't feel open for business. This movie doesn't feel like it's, like, it, it, I don't know. It just feels like it was shot when everyone was sleeping, and that's what's supposed to happen. Like, everyone's supposed to be asleep while this is going on, but they wouldn't be. Yeah, they do not even go into town again, right? I think we get the delivery girl at one point comes to the house, but it would be nice to have a shot at the diner with someone in town or if they have to send one of the cops to town or do something. Like Killer Clowns. Oh, my gosh. That <laughs> is amazing. Because it's the same kind of small town, mm-hmm. you know, dumb yeah. cops. Yeah. But there's, and there's, there's also, uh, like, pizza delivery people or whatever, but you get, like, a, yeah. a real sense of, like, everybody. Yeah, yeah, and you have, like, these little montage of... You know, in Killer Clowns, it's of the clowns attacking, but in this, it could be of the town folk watching the news or saying, like, we got to get down there. You know, kind of like Sam Jackson's uh, brother in this, where they're like, we got to get down there and, you know, start something. Um, Like, it would have been funny if the town folks, you know, picked up some torches and pitchforks as well and marched themselves down to, to the house. And then you could get a situation somewhat like Down Under or something, right? Where, like, everybody is riled up and stupid. And, I mean, it would nothing would ever be as good as that movie. But, I mean, you could play it in the same way of a satire. Where yeah. it's like everyone's incited by panic. Yeah. If you haven't seen Down Under, go see Down Under. If you also if you oh. haven't seen Four Lions, go see Four Lions. Yeah. Because they're basically both, like, comedies about the darkest, darkest shit you can imagine. 
but also just genuinely both really, really funny. And really well-made good yep. movies, too. Because that under I saw last year at Fantastic Fest, and like, <laughs> it's incredible. I the write-up or whatever made it sound so stupid, and I was like, uh, but then like the whole first half, people were like, "Oh my god, you need to go see Down yeah. Under." Yeah, yeah. The first, I mean, I, I I read the little synopsis, and it was just like um, someone gets like stuck in the wrong neighborhood. I don't yeah. want to. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, this sounds generic," but I'll watch it because Joey has it really high on his Fantastic Fest list, and it was incredible. Because like this, also this week just just hit Netflix is the Young Offenders, which is also at Fantastic Fest, and that also had a stupid tagline. I didn't get to see it because, but people were like saying like, "Oh, it's really good." And like it just, it's not bad, but it's just I don't know. Down mm-hmm. Under was just like, okay, yeah. I think Down Under makes really makes many interesting valid points. <laughs> and we had like the writer director was there, and he was telling us yeah. about like. You know, the the history and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, based... Yeah, it says, a black comedy events. set during the aftermath of the Cronulla riots in Australia. It is the story of two carloads of hotheads from both sides of the fight destined to collide. And it's just like, oh, okay. I think even the Fantastic Fest write-up was, like, more vague than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the write-up I read was something like, a guy goes looking for his brother the day after the riots in 2005. And, um it's weird because I remember when Four Lions came out, hearing about it everywhere. Maybe because of the time that was almost ten years ago, right? Or close, or somewhat. I think it was '08. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously 9/11 still sensitive always, but but it's uh, comedy about terrorists. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is a comedy about suicide bombers and terrorism and stuff. But I mean, it's so genuinely like good and well intentioned. And this, I got like you said, like I got the same feelings from it, like the same vibe. I'm surprised I haven't heard anything about Down Under online, or no one's making big deals of it, because I think it 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 should be seen. It's I think it's still, good. like, festival circuit-y. Okay. Alright, because that sounds like, that seems like a movie that should explode, but won't. But maybe that's just because of what we watch. Yeah, I don't know. The whole festival circuit is weird. Because, like, you know, mm-hmm. you can get the like, Devil's Candy finally just came yeah. out of VOD, and I saw that a year and a half ago, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, this movie's great!" Plus, you could get stuff like the mainstream stuff, like Arrival, even if it's just a couple months early. They still play those things at the festivals right. too, so you get like really obscure stuff, but then you get the mainstream things. All right, so everybody's trying to protect each other here now, or what is that? We're all in it together. <laughs> oh, here we go. Cage is going to creep. Oh, who is this girl? Wasn't she in something else or no? I remember looking her up. So I was like, oh, she's cute. Because it's like, oh, someone else lives in this town? There's an actual pulse walking around the street somewhere? Let's see here. She's Stacy? I guess. If it is her... (laughs) Nice moped. Here she is with Adam Scott in 2002. Oh, that's her. So she was Um, in Jackie Brown and From Dust Till Dawn. Serious actor turned comedic actor, Adam Scott. Um, she was in Jackie Brown, huh? And Dust Till Dawn. 
Oh, was a bunch she... of things I've literally never heard of. In the convenience store in the beginning of Dust Till Dawn? In Jackie Brown, she was Amy, Billingsley's sales girl. She's oh, a blonde she's the hostage. Girl... She's a blonde hostage from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, at uh, Benny's World of Liquor. But in Kill Bill, she's <gasps> the girl in the when Jackie goes into the changing room at the end and is like, I left a bag in there, or someone left a bag in there. Okay. I think that's her. She was in an episode of Fallen Angels, the thing we just did for Soderbergh. Oh, no kidding. But not his episode. No. Yep. Hmm. What is she doing with uh, serious actor turned comedic actor Adam Scott? She was in a movie called Ronnie from 2002. Okay. I want to see Torque real bad, because that's one movie that Scott always gives him shit for. I do, too. Yes, because that's why he's on the How Does It Get Made for the Fast and Furious, right? Because of his, like, association with Fast Car Movie. That's what I assumed. That's How Does It Get Made is the reason that I started watching Fast and Furious, because in Fast Five, I'm like, oh, this movie's stupid. And then they loved it, and I was like, wait, did I watch it wrong? And I was like, (laughs) oh, wait, this movie's amazing. Funny, I remember when that came out. I saw that in theaters, and it was like, um, it was like really like, what do we see first, that or Gone in sixty seconds? I just remember them both being out around the same time. What the first Fast and Furious? Yeah. If not at the same Fast Five was the first one that I saw. Oh yeah, I saw the first one in theaters, and then I saw Tokyo Drift at home, and then every other one I've seen in theaters. And then I went back and watched. The second one at some point. <laughs> Which is the worst one. I think with my dad, we went back and we watched all of them before the sixth movie came out. Or most of them, at least. I was watching Tokyo Drift with Joe, too, when we were recording High School Musical 2, and just it's so good. Tokyo yeah. Drift, my favorite movie from 2006, apparently. Really? On that, on that list of favorite movie every year you've been alive. Huh. Whatever year it is. I was like, maybe it's 2005. It was a year where I was just like, oh, there's not really... I'm like, yeah, I love Tokyo Drift. I don't know. I don't feel like that's the best movie that came that year, but then again... I'm not saying best. I'm just saying favorite. Yeah. 99? Wait, hold on. Yeah, 2006. This is so weird. He is creeping on her too hard. Yep. <laughs> it's got it's, a little it's bit. It's so awkward. She's cute. It's just... Oh, Obviously boy. younger, like, much younger. Like, she's supposed to be some high school girl working this part-time job, and, oh, no, he's gonna do it now. This is so sad. Oh, nice look. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that look on his face. I'm surprised that's no meme. Can you write your name and number any smaller on my hand, please? It's like she wrote it down here in the corner of the palm. So here's the movies from 2006 that I've seen. Oh, Pan's Labyrinth, right off the bat. But I like Tokyo Drift more than that. Really? Yeah. Really? More than The Prestige. More than MI3? I like them all, but like Tokyo Drift. Ooh, the lives of others. Oh my god! What I know. A year. It's, just, it's a very good year, but it's just. It's also a very bad year because there's Click, Pursuit of Happiness. Oh man, Idiocracy. You like it more than Idiocracy? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Unbelievable. Um, 
Maybe I gotta rewatch it. It's so good. It's like it's every scene literally just has like an amazing song. Like it's just it's just basically a whole a nonstop part. It's the first good Fast and Furious movie. I mean, I've always liked it, but I mean, now I gotta like watch it closer. Um, well, we can put it on between. I don't think I've seen Half Nelson yet. That's, oh yeah, I remember Clerks Two was the last movie I got carded for. I mean, that was oh five, so oh six, so I was like twenty six. No, I got carded for movies recent, not not recently, but like within the last couple of years. World Trade Center came out that year. Nice. And Ampoli. So what's funny is that, like, on Letterboxd, I'm super, super into Letterboxd, because you can sort by, like, you can, like, look by year, and you can just show the movies you've seen, and, like, almost always, the, like, the the least, because this is sort of by popularity, like, yeah. the people have seen it, so almost always at the bottom are movies that we've done for podcasts. It's, like, obscure <laughs> Cage movies or Keanu movies That's or whatever, hilarious. you know what I mean? Oof. Saw three, Lady in the Water, yikes. It's a rough oh, look, year. Wicker Man. What'd you say? Wicker Man. Wicker Man. Blake House. Hey. This is so funny. Well, you'll see Half Nelson for something we might be doing on Cage Club Podcast Network in the near future. Actually, that that probably would have been announced by now. I don't know. If we're putting out one a week, this is like the eighth episode of this we've recorded at least, so that's August and September. Yeah. Keanu and Zeph would have ended in September 1st, so... What yeah, we, we can we can freely talk about how we're going to do uh, Ben Affleck, and we're doing Ryan Gosling. Oh, Gosling's in Half Nelson? Yeah, he's a star. Oh, I never saw it. I wonder what kept me from seeing that movie. You're going to do Young Hercules? We're debating it. It might be like one of the... Just... Joe really wanted to do for Zeph, he wanted to do like a, an extravaganza of like all his like, weird things, but I'm like, we can't really do it because we don't have it, but like... A lot of this Gosling early stuff, like he's yeah, in like one weird. minute of a thing, so we're gonna have like a YouTube extravaganza episode. But he's in like eighty episodes or fifty episodes of Young Hercules, so we're gonna figure something out. Uh, Al Cerillo, Flying Chopper. See, this was my favorite part of the movie the first time, right here. This shot, right it's, there. Because this is like the, you say we're saying, like this is like the second unit, right? And yeah, like, look, them laying shot, down. Like it's like an action movie kind of. Yeah, there's energy here. The music is still wacky, though. It's been try. The music's been trying throughout, but it's still not really good. It's not pronounced enough. There's also something draining about it. Watching a movie that takes place all at night, I never realized before. At least maybe it's just this movie, or if, don't make a comedy that only takes place at night. I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, like, because comedies by nature are supposed to be, like, bright and happy. Like, even, like, black comedies, like Racing Arizona, like, that's all during the day. You know what I mean? Yeah, just like, psychologically, it fucks with you too much. Why is Dabney Coleman's feet hurt? Oh, because he, when he, we walked out uh, in the chair, he was taped to the chair. Oh, he walked over a glass, glass like, yeah. John McClane style, right? It's a really nice house. I could see why he wanted to live there, but he should have definitely scoped the neighbors and everything. Like, that's weird, too. Do you... I mean, I know your house, hunting, so you're checking out, like, the neighborhood, too, right? Not just your street, you know? Like, you want to make sure that you don't move into, like, a racist community. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Which, like, when I... Why, when I saw that lawn jockey, I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I mean, you really can't pick your neighbors, so... No, you I just, suppose. You just want to be, like, living in a place where, like... You want to live. Doesn't that usually go around the crotch? Yep. 
And he's wearing it on his face. But so. it's a comedy. So that's well. I'm saying I'm trying. I'm trying to say like that's supposed to be funny. But I don't know. Like, are many people that versed in S and M that they know that that's like a for your crotch and not well, your face? Well, I think it's just like even if you don't know exactly or what is it is, it? it looks it looks funny. Or is it for his face? I don't know because I don't know S and M. No, because there's no there's no ball gag. I'm mm. pretty sure. Well, I don't know actually. What's what with it is. Her, all I really know is what I know from like Matrix. Revolutions is when they go to the S&M clubs. And from the Gimp in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. What I see in theatrical films. Even Cage is like, can we get on with this and get out of this movie, please? Oh, boy. How long do you think this... How long do you think this took to shoot. Oh. Just a couple two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks, probably. I mean, that's the thing about it. It's almost like a play, right? Because everything, almost every shot after the first half hour is these two idiots. Like, they're in, you know, it just right. follows them. So, probably took, I don't know, I bet they shot it mostly in order. Too. Probably. I mean, probably shoot all the stuff at Sam Jackson's house the yep. first week and a half and then all this shit the second week. And there's no reason not to. And you shoot all the cop stuff separately. Yeah. Yeah, like this day, all this, yeah, you take the two days and all the cop stuff a, that doesn't have Sam Jackson. Station, like a day on that boat. Oh, that was probably like a half day. Those look like they were doing helicopter shit, stolen shots of him, like on the boat. Yeah. I'm sure this is a very rapid shoot. Well, because then they have, to go, they have to go back to the boat for this crew, too. You know what I mean? I mean, so. think of it this way, too. I mean, this... Okay, these guys feel like they're in the right movie, being not this movie. They feel like they belong in another movie, um, but the one that I want to see. But that's the thing. You figure there can... There could not have been multiple takes. They're probably all technical issues to say, like, cut, take two. You know, I'm sure everything was one and go. Sure. Well, this guy, it's the first-time director, so I guess it's one yeah. of two ways either, like... He was like, oh, yeah, like overly confident, or uh, he like. But it also doesn't feel like the type of movie where like he had like ten shots of everything because like if he had ten, yeah, ten takes of everything, that would be a very different, Does, better movie. Right? He seems too sure of himself, if you ask me. Like, he, no, no, we nailed it. We, we nailed it, bro. <laughs> Are you sure? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we're good. Move on. It's like that's hilarious. Because I feel like it's also, you know, you could do movies where it's like, oh, can you believe, like, these two guys are acting together? Like, that's the whole movie, you know? Like, Face Off, right? Like, Travolta and Cage, like, can you believe it? Or even, like, Tango and Cash, where it's like, we got these two great actors we know are going to have great chemistry together. And and it feels like this movie was trying to bank on that. Yep. But Sam Jackson didn't have the persona yet. So, like, he could have, they could have great chemistry off screen and, you know, have a ball, like, tons of laughs and just get along but I feel like the Sam Jackson we know now but it also isn't created yet it also doesn't play because like even though the Sam Jackson we know now like yes, you know, that retroactively too. you would be like oh I mm-hmm. like him more on this but like you don't yeah so they just don't have on screen chemistry you can't just throw the two of them on screen and have them do whatever Funny enough, you could do that with uh, Trapped in Paradise, where it's like you could just have him and Lovitz and, and Dana Carvey. Carvey and just have them do whatever, because the three of them, at least their chemistry, at least keeps that Cage, movie together. At least together. Cage is directing that movie. <laughs> oh, boy. 
was with this like twangy. Like guitar. there are so many people outside. This in just certain shots, and then every other shot, they're just like, oh, there's yeah, nobody all around there now. Now that's like so many people. And this same news reporter, I wish they made more of a callback with her. Every time they go to the news, they do go to her, but I don't know. I wish there was more of her. So now they're fighting for real. I guess. Like, they're I don't know. really fighting over the gun, and you got this stupid music playing. It just... Well, you, you changed the music. This is, like, actually kind of like a tense scene. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. That would be a good experiment, is to replace all the score with this with something more like dark. Like a Ross Soderbergh Raiders experiment, where you just, like, <laughs> yeah. make this all in grayscale. Now, he's sneezing. Get it? Because it's comedy. Oh, he, he caught his allergies. Because he bit him or something. Oh, fresh mode grass. He told us. Let me tell us about that. We haven't. We haven't been listening. He probably did it. And now the Amos and Andrew theme starts playing when he, Sam Jackson has control of the. Situation. You would also think at some point maybe that Cage is like, "Hey, this is all the cops' fault." You know what I mean? <laughs> I guess he's just too stupid. Yeah, man, it all that's the whole reason we're in this mess. You're right. Because we are inherently racist. Yeah, someone peep some some peeping Tom broke the law by looking into your house while you were sitting up your stereo. But maybe you shouldn't have been driving so fast past Michael Lerner <laughs> disrupting him and his wife and his dog. Maybe he just shouldn't have been born in the first place. Is that what you're saying? Maybe it's just... Yeah, it's Sam Jackson's fault is what I'm saying. <laughs> Meanwhile, in, you know, Mississippi burning, here we are with, like, full-on... See, those are the torches and pitchforks I expected the town folks... And this guy just shows up, like, he should have been introduced way earlier and sort of justifies a lot of the town folk mentality when you see him with his two, like, Bloodhounds coming Because he's like up. a redneck. Like, exactly. I don't understand. Like, we don't really get a sense that these guys are redneck cops. They just sort of seem like dumb cops. It's all just like, like, oh no, like, we set it up well enough. Small town America. It's just strange. But yeah, if you're listening to this, email us at, uh... What email address can I tell you to... I mean, you can email joey at cageclub.me. I was going to say email zachattack at cageclub.me, but, like, because that's the one I check every month, but I'll check <laughs> joey at cageclub.me. I'm just curious if people are actually listen to this. So I feel like this is either, like, a really good idea or a bad idea. I mean, we want to watch these movies again anyway. I mean, not this one specifically, but, like... Right, we're not, I, we're not watching this just to record. We're watching this because number one, I want to see what it's like to do commentaries. We're not going to do this for Keanu. I can tell you that much. No, already. no, no, no. That's okay. The only thing I want to do for Keanu is we can do the uh, Keanu Awards. Um, yeah, maybe figure that out. We could put it up after it ends, though. We could sort of, you know, put together maybe a video or whatever that we could release April of next year, so yeah. two-year anniversary. You know what I mean? We could do that. Because we did it so much slower than Cage, so instead of doing the one-year anniversary, you do the two-year anniversary. But I also feel like people just don't know, like, 
I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of Cage's movies are more well-known than Keanu's movies, but maybe yeah, not. Yeah, no, no, I think, yeah, we figured that out the hard way, right? I mean, there's yeah. so many things that he's barely in Keanu that are just so random and so unknown. I think also now that we have the format down for the Cage Club Awards, we could just do the Keanu ones easily and take out, like, you in. know... Uh, we could probably take out best and worst female because like there's it's just it's Trinity yeah and there aren't really they're not as nah. sexist. We take out the freak out and just sort of do like a condensed like best film best role worst film worst role right. Only pick like Come five for, for each you know. We'll figure it out. Where she has like the real scoop. Uh, are you Stacey. the king of eyebrows? <laughs> I got it from the guy that you're, you know... She's way too cute and, like, positive to be in this movie. You know what I mean? Like... In this version. She's so out of place in this. Right. In the... I want to see, this like, is like a... the This is, like, the DC Warner Brothers version of the movie, like, the dark version. <laughs> like, they need see, to do the real version. Did we talk about on a previous one we recorded, like, I want to see, like, a Rosencrantz and Gilderstern of these guys. No, I don't, but I don't think we talked about that. No. Nope. You don't want to see a movie like that, where it's just them, like, sort of watching Cage from afar? And not so much. Would you rather watch this again than that? No, I would not rather watch this. I mean, I don't want to watch any of it. I mean, I would really, like... Going back to Gone in 60 Seconds, I'd love a movie about those two cops, you know? Like, that would be a great movie. But I don't feel it right here. Maybe the Balaban, the the, uh, the shrink well, character. Well, I feel like he's just laying in a car talking to somebody on the phone. No, but he's like an absent-minded guy. He thought he was talking to a, a tied-up Sam Jackson, and he was talking to a tied-up police guy. Yeah. I don't want to watch any of it. I'm just glad that after this we never have to watch this again. Yeah, I feel like the word I feel like not only are there less bad cage films in general, but the ones that are bad they're not aren't, boring, they're just weird. Like Yeah, and and it's just a problem with tone. I feel like they're not necessarily bad. I think it's just they're kind of obscure. Like there's not many of them either. There's like Zondali, there's Firebirds. I don't think so. Wait, you think those are bad? No, no, I'm saying they're not. They're just obscure and so oh. they're unknowns and so I feel like they get written off as bad movies because no one knows about you know, it's like, Oh, I've never heard of Firebirds, it can't be good and it's like, I'm sorry, but I am the greatest <laughs> you know I am the greatest um. Yeah, so I, I, I'm I'm along those lines of thinking is like people don't really I feel like people aren't aware of Amos and Andrew because it's a bad cage film and they don't want to be there aren't many and they don't want to be. But well, people also of aren't aware of like Red Rock West, which is the same year as this, and that's great. which is a great cage film. Plus, I feel like not just Cage, but Keanu too. Like most people, just try and. Not try, but most people just tend to dwell on the bad because some of the bad is really bad. Uh huh. Like this movie totally like cancels out two good Cage movies, you know, in the grand scheme of things. I think I don't think it's that. One one and a half. One and a half. I mean, I would I would put this and you take this and Red Rock West and call 1993 a wash. Okay. No, Red Rock. Well. 
I think that's as, as yeah. I think that's as what I'm saying, good though. above average as this is bad below average. Yeah, that might that might save the year a little bit. The problem is like the next two after that would be Deadfall, which is not good, it's just crazy, and then the one after that is guarding Tess. Yeah, so exactly, which is we're right back in this same territory. It's a uh, it's oh, a real man. rocky stretch. Imagine if we watch that next. I thought he hated dogs. No, certain dogs hate him. <laughs> I've said it before, maybe not during this recording, but I've definitely said it recently. Like even though this movie stinks, I'm not I'm not like bored with Cage, you know? Like it's a boring movie, but He's still got the gold tooth. He's still got a couple interesting looks. There was one I didn't She's got a lot notice. Yeah, that's that's very late 80s. No, yeah, Keanu's boring in a lot of things. Right. I feel like, yeah, Keanu can sort of disappear, not get noticed, or just be forgettable at times. And at least in this movie, I go out remembering that Cage had these terrible drawn tattoos. He had a gold tooth. You know, I really think where they would both... Where they now should both really live is as, like, character actors, kind of. Like, not the lead in movies. Because Keanu can probably carry a movie now, but, like, mm-hmm. Cage can't, you know... Uh, he can, but, like, he's, like box office-wise, he's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you put him in, like, a role like Snowden, or you put Keanu in a role like the Neon Demon, or the Bad Batch that you haven't seen yet, or, um, you know, one of those, it's just like, oh, that's an actor I love, like honing in on a on a thing that has like 10 minutes of screen time. Yeah. And that's great. Do a bunch of those. Yeah, because I feel like Cage is starring in all the movies that go right to video on demand. Like it's it's great. Like we've gotten a couple good ones with him in the lead, but most of them kind of fall aren't good movies just by the nature of their cheap movies. And now they're on the way out of town. So like he's just so he's now a prisoner on the run. Yep. Well, they both just completely left the situation. It's not resolved whatsoever. They still don't... The, technically, the cops still don't know where Sam Jackson is. Oh, that's his wife, right? Yep. And her name is Mrs. Andrew Sterling. Red sports car. He looks a little honeymoon in Vegas. I mean, um, not honeymoon in Vegas, but leaving Las Vegas with the hair, the glasses, and the there, right there. <laughs> that look. <laughs> what a great more, look. He kind of looks more like mad scientist-y than, like, <laughs> well, than about to kill too. himself by drinking uh-huh. himself to death. But well, I, it just I, I looks like it. he woke up from a bender. Hashtag, I woke up like this. <laughs> Cage woke up like this. So he gives him his lighter that's some sort of symbol of brotherhood now they can call sure, each other Sure, you they're friends. Now they're friends. See? Call him brother. I still don't know why I think they'd never I want to see, see each other Cage again. Cage as a crazy limo driver. Ooh, that'd be a good movie. Did if he was in Logan? Stretch? If he was Logan? Logan, because Logan's basically just about a crazy limo driver. No, but like that's more... Like, I mean, I want to see what he's actually... Yeah. Like you know, like that. There's like that two minute montage in Logan where it's just like all the terrible passages. Yeah, that. yeah. That I want to see a full movie like movie. that. I want to see. Oh, I want to see Collateral with him in the Jamie Fox role. Oh, that'd be good. Like cab driver, limo driver, and Tom Cruise. Then... Like I'll pay you five five hundred dollars for five stops. 
And Cage's like, we got it. He's real coked out. I'd watch that. Well, that goes without saying. I mean, anything with Cage. No, I mean, I would really watch that. Here we go. Suburban Nightmare. This is the best part of the movie. Absolutely. One of the best shots, too. Number one, because it's over. And number two, because it's a cool song. And I think... You know, we sit through the credits here, so we're looking for post-credits. And if memory serves, we might be happy. Like, Cage just seems more upbeat. Like, his character and the actor both seem upbeat now that it's over. You know what I mean? It's just like... Plus, he got this sweet new ride, and he's home scot-free, and he got away with being a pedophile. I mean, he's going to go out into the world and cause trouble. Yep. Oh, man. He just headed south. Down to Florida? Interstate 95. Well, he's fourth building this. I know, order of appearance, okay. That's why. Oh. I was like, what? That's why they snuck him in early in that opening sequence of so Sam Jackson so that he could get his name at least fourth so that it's all in order of appearance. It's like, I can't be after ferry boat driver. <laughs> I have to be before ferry boat driver. So... Oh, this is Rommel, great. I guess Rommel's the dog, so we got two dogs for the price of one. This is a great song because it's one of those like rap songs that explains everything about the movie. Yep. Kind of reminds me of like the turtle rap when that came out at the time, or like um, Ghostbusters 2, they is, did it too. Is Will Smith's A Nightmare on My Street, is that summarizing A Nightmare on Elm Street? Like, I know it wasn't it's, for it. Uh, pretty much, yeah. It's like the night Freddy came for Will Smith. Yep. <laughs> did you know that the house on my boyfriend's back is the same house from... First Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, really? Nice. Okay. And drop, a, there's always I'm something crack about that egg knowledge on the podcast when we record What's it. really weird about Nightmare on Elm Street is I'm never clear why. What is up with that house? It's not like Freddy lived there. It's just where some of the parents that burned Freddy lived in yeah. that house. So it's like really weird that that house became iconic. Maybe because the girl who lived there beat Freddy. The I, I don't really care. I think it's great. It's good visually. <laughs> Elm Street Three, Dream Warriors. Watch that. Is that the gay one or is the second one the gay one? The second one is, yeah. With um, not Meryl Streep. There's a girl in that movie who looks exactly like a young Meryl Streep from Deer Hunter, and it's not her. Oh, man, this movie. We should do a version of this song where it's like, Joey M. Mike sitting watching this movie want to hang themselves, but they can't, can't move. <laughs> like, oh, shit. What's up? No, no, no. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, no, I'm talking about your, your freestyling. Oh, my, 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 my non-rhyming rapping? Sitting on the couch, want to poke my eyes out. Want to put Q-tips deep in my ears. <laughs> like, I just want to... <laughs> See, Mr. and Mrs. The- Talking about those people next door puffing on joints and sipping on wine. Typical mix-up, you know, black guy trying to plug his stereo in and cops get called. Classic comedy. I mean, the number of times that that's been reported a day. There was a Cream song in this movie? Uh, Had to be instrumental, because I don't remember hearing... Written and performed by Sir Mix a lot. There's a good documentary about that. The drummer, 
from Creamer. I forget his name. Here we go. These are pretty quick credits, at least. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just the length of one song. It's suburban. It's a short song too. Filmed in North Carolina, right? Yeah. No animals, no animals harmed in the making of this most picture. I like that the you know the Humane Society or whatever changed their that they have like a, a slogan now. It's just like no animals were harmed. Like that's oh, it. That's like, it. They just, yeah. they just put that up there. <laughs> Some marketing oh, wizard got a raise for that. Here we go. Oh, oh I forgot there was a post credits. Oh, the two different uh, the two dogs. Okay. Yep. The white dog is with the bloodhounds now. That's a real bloodhound gang, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yuck, 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 yuck. And ten more minutes. <laughs> Solo Bolo. And that was it. That is Amos and Andrews. Come back next time. We're going to do a couple... The next two are going to be animated movies. So, see you soon. Bye. Cageclub.me. Facebook.com slash cageclub. Cageclubpod on Twitter. Joey at cageclub.me. <laughs>